Today we welcome Executive Chairman C. Derek Campbell. C. Derek Campbell is joining us now. He's the Executive Chairman of the African Metals Group. Explain to our global audience the African Metals Group. Okay, absolutely. Armstrong, thank you for having me and giving me a chance to talk about African Metals Group, but also talk about opportunities in Africa and the natural resources space. So African Metals Group is really a mining <clears throat> and investment company. Uh, we are what's called a royalty and streaming company, and what we do is focus on helping uh, African uh, mining and metals operations, companies that are trying to operate and grow, well, we provide them the financing uh, to, to expand their operations and then ultimately uh, help them supply the things that the world needs in these critical supply chains like gold and silver for industrial use and also copper, manganese, class one nickel, all those things that support energy transition uh, in the, uh, the battery, battery metals market. You know, is how do you provide innovative financing and equity investment opportunities? Yeah, so th through a couple of ways. Specific to African metals, what we do is we, we will go in and do what's called either a royalty or a streaming deal where we'll take some royalty on the dividends or we'll stream the actual production where we will go into a uh, long-term agreement with them uh, at a discount and we will take the production. So what that does is get, that lets us as a company eliminate a lot of the risk that happens on the CapEx, OpEx side for operating companies who operate in multiple jurisdictions throughout the continent. And we take that production and we offsell it and share some of the discount with the buyers. But what does that do for the operator? It lets them have upfront cash, which is difficult for them to get from institutions. Now, when you think about the minerals, the metals, the mines, mm -hmm. uh, you think about the American businessman, you think about the global businessman. Mm -hmm. We talk about Africa as if it's one place, right. but it's a place of many sovereigns. That's right. I mean, it is a continent. That's correct. And But there are people who are looking to do business. There are metals, there are materials that they look for, and sometimes they think they can only find them in Europe, in the United States. Mm -hmm. Why is it that more of our American entrepreneurs and businesses realize they need to go to, to the different continents of Africa, to these different sovereign places, and cast down their book, buckets there? Because there's so many opportunities. Yeah, there's so many opportunities there. Um, and you and I talked about this a little bit before when we met. Um, Africa has 54 different countries in it, and each of those countries has been well endowed with natural resources from hydrocarbon natural resources, oil and gas, opportunities, water, timber, and yes, metals and, and, and critical minerals, strategic metals and critical minerals. Uh, the American businessman, uh, unfortunately, has um, a bad narrative about Africa, and that narrative is one of famine, AIDS, and war throughout the continent, but when you get on ground, you actually see something else. There are businessmen, business owners, there are regulatory environments that are very pro-business. And uh, I think at the government level, the United States has tried, but hasn't done such a good job about changing that narrative. I think there is too much of a aid narrative and a, hey, let's help the African narrative, when the Africans are saying, we don't need aid, we don't need help, we need partnerships. And it's the, a very ripe environment for some producer of some technology, some investor in the United States, some U.S. Uh, operator themselves, to the time is right now for them to go into the continent and then find partners who, one, they can get recourse against, two, have 
operate in regulatory environments where they can recuperate their cash, and three, um, give them an additional offtake scenario for the U.S. product or service that this U.S. companies represent to now grow in, a, in an environment that needs absolutely everything. What about the rule of law mm -hmm. and the contracting? Um, sure. You know, some people still see some of these 54 countries as still the wild, wild west. Right. Um, you got to make sure that if there is a contract dispute, sure. that you know you're going to be treated fairly. That's right. Um, there are just a lot of issues that people are concerned with when it comes yeah. to making sure there's a judicial system in place that's right. and there's a respect for the contract yeah. and the agreement. That's right, that's right. Well, I would say to you that there is a challenge in Africa in, in this sphere um, for American businesses that try to deal with potentially 54 different types of regulatory environments. But I will tell you that um, in most of the countries, the rule of law is something that they have to put in place just to operate for themselves internally. And there are law firms like Templar's Law out of Nigeria, uh, Centurion Law out of uh, Johannesburg that, that they have reached throughout the continent that will help you get recourse to folks who are, you know, indigenous people who are operating on the continent. And one of the issues or opportunities is a lot of these indigenous people who are reaching out globally for partners, they have to, they have to be licensed in order to do that. And so both from a judicial system framework and construct, and then also from, let's say, a ministry of industry, of, of in, a ministry of energy, uh, a ministry of mining perspective, if we stay focused in this energy, natural resource infrastructure space, uh, those ministries want to make sure that whoever is representing their country commercially, that there are, there are no shenanigans taking place. And so there have no doubt been issues and problems with folks trying to get recourse against uh, maybe an investment they've made or some uh, deal that they have done. But we see a definite wane in that, and we see an uptick in successful U.S. interaction on the continent in multiple countries. Is there a blueprint print? you should follow before even starting this process? Yeah, I think um, there are, I'd say there are a couple of blueprints. One is, I know that the U.S. Commerce Department, they have what's called the Gold Key Program. And there are commercial attaches throughout the continent. And they go in and physically uh, audit, is a loose term, but I'll use it for the purposes of this discussion. Uh, they'll audit these local companies so that um, they, they will then say, hey, uh, we have audited this company, so U.S. company X, Y, or Z. There is a uh, an ABC uh, company in African country X, Y, or Z that you can now work with because we've audited them. Also, too, reaching out to some of these law firms that I've mentioned, like Centurion or Templars or others, um, who, no kidding, um, I would say, have partnerships with these with these companies who can kind of give you a little bit of a buffer in terms of making sure that there is an audit trail there's an audit ready partner on the other side of the of the of the Atlantic who US businesses can partner with you know there's so much talk uh, about the Chinese dominance yeah. in these 54 countries mm -hmm. is that a result of America our government dropping the ball? To, to some degree it is, and I'll talk about it from a couple of perspectives. You know, as Americans, um, and, and even some of our partners like the Brits, we have to be honest about some of the approaches that we've taken. And so if you look at 
the instruments of national power that the United States has, the diplomatic, information, military, and economic. We're okay in the D, the I, and the M, but in the E, we're really small in terms of federal dollars being poured into the continent in specific areas to help things like industry grow, uh, to help things like health care, to help things like the proper exploitation of natural resources. Um, and then uh, from a, uh, I'd say, bilateral perspective, the U.S. sometimes creates regi regimes or uh, engagements that don't necessarily benefit the Africans. And so now Africans have to look for other partners because throughout the continent you'll see uh, countries growing, populations needing jobs and opportunities that need to be properly exploited that don't get exploited. And I think the Chinese and the Russians are taking advantage of that. One of the things that people hear me say is that uh, I find it very strange that the U.S. is uh, battling for a hegemonic pole position in Africa where Africans clearly want to have us as their partner of choice. Um, and, and we are battling for that hegemonic pole position uh, against the Russians and the Chinese. And what makes it even more strange to me is that 50 million of the citizens of the United States, or almost 50 million, genetically hail from the continent of Africa. And it's uh, absurd to me that y you can barely put 500,000 Afro-Chinese or Afro-Russians into a stadium, right? And so why are we not taking advantage of what some would say a natural kind of engagement that we could have uh, in the continent? To, to create better opportunities for U.S. companies to go in and take advantage of the demand signal, which is, in the case of what we do at African Metals, it's about the proper um, support and exploitation of natural resources that benefit uh, really not just the America, uh, that don't just benefit the Africans, but benefit, benefit the world, particularly in this time of global energy transition. What is it um, that Africa must do. Mm -hmm. You know, you need the right infrastructure mm -hmm. to attract mm -hmm. businesses. You mm -hmm. need to feel safe That's right. and secure. Mm -hmm. You know, what is often underreported is still there's a lot of bloody conflict that's going on sure. across the continent. It's very mm -hmm. real, whether it's Sierra Leone, sure. whether it's the Republic Congo, mm -hmm. it, it, it exists. I'm, um, and so, what is it that it needs to do mm -hmm. where government really work for the people and particularly when they are sent these astronomical dollars in aid mm -hmm. that is not looted and go for the benefit of your wallet and never gets to the people that are in dire straits mm -hmm. because you know there is still a lot of abject poverty yeah there is there is yeah, absolutely so i would tell you um you know in sierra leone and in, in the republic of congo that's uh, congo brazzaville there has been a massive amount of a reduction of conflict and safety is great and regimes are in place uh, to help, particularly in the energy and natural resource space, uh, have good business happen. In Democratic Republic of Congo, Congo there are still some challenges uh, that, that folks have to deal with. Uh, I'm the former um, Marine and Naval Attaché to Nigeria. I was the former uh, Chief of Military Plans uh, uh, for the United Nations mission in South Sudan. So I've seen some of this security issues and geopolitical issues that you're talking about very firsthand. Uh, as a, a person with a company that doesn't try to engage Washington from London or Washington, uh, engage Africa from London or Washington, we're on the continent. Um, some of the things you talk about we do see, but there are also things that 
are not reported that we do see, which is rule of law in place, great infrastructure being developed, good uh, police force reform, uh, great banking reform, so that you can have the expat expatriation of your capital, your cash, to your vendors and to your international partners. And so I think um, a lot of that good stuff is not being talked about. And there needs to be really, um, not just on a country-by-country country basis, but I think there needs to be, maybe the African Union does this, but there's got to be a better narrative campaign done uh, at a strategic level so that um, folks don't sit on the sidelines, particularly folks in the West, sit on the sidelines about Africa, where they can say, hey, I've got enough information, I'm now very confident about going in and selecting a partner that could help me um, grow my business, grow my platform, um, across multiple verticals on the continent. And I think that is a narrative discussion that is media-focused, that is strategic communication-focused. And if until we get that to happen, you're not going to know about the good things happening on the continent and why um, the, the risk that you think you will undergo there is not as difficult as you think it is. You know, I, I, I um, heard our President Biden say uh, towards the end of 2022, that he thinks it's important that um, these African countries, some of them, become of the part of the G20. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, mm -hmm. I had already seen indications of that earlier mm -hmm. before the president mm -hmm. uh, made that announcement. But why has it taken so long? Yeah, again, the narrative, right? It's it's the historical narrative on Africa, and you look at the G20. Um, and the influence or the influential partners in the, in the G20, those European nations in the G20, a lot of whom have had uh, imperialistic positioning on the continent of Africa. Um, and then there's been an aid-based, um, I don't want to say just discussion, but an aid-based interaction between Africans and Europe and, this, and other parts of the West. And so there's been this kind of feeling that, well, they don't really rate to be a part of the G20. Um, well, now, uh, African nations know that all of the natural resources that have, that have helped these G20 nations kind of become powerhouses um, have come out of Africa. And now they're taking the rightful position and stance that, wait a minute, we own these natural resources. We now need to use them for the development of our own societies. And because we're the owners of these natural resources that are going to drive things like global energy transition, we now need to have a seat at the table. What is the multi um commodity approach and what is it what is its yeah. importance okay the the, the multi-commodity approach and I'll, I'll say it a little bit better it's um a, a little different rather it's uh, there is a multi uh critical mineral strategic metal approach that is now driving um this thing called energy transition you've heard this whole discussion about battery metals you've talked to heard about the ev market you've heard folks talk about now the nuclear energy small-scale modular reactor market, um, the semiconductor market and how things in semiconductors are now changing. The baseline materials that drive all of that are these multi multiple commodities that exist, not just in Africa but across the world. You're talking about cobalt, class one nickel, manganese, uh, lithium, uh, even uranium. Do you right? think people understand the value of these precious metals I, I and don't, their meaning? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, uh, well, at scale, I don't think so. 
Um, one of the things I think Forbes put, out, Forbes put out an article about two or three weeks ago saying there is a boom demand in critical minerals and strategic metals. Uh, there's a boom demand in uh, things that uh, support the nuclear uh, energy industry. But for whatever reason, the capital markets are kind of sitting perched on the sidelines, uh, not fully investing in uh, these things where that, that have shown in the market a clear demand for, uh, there's a clear demand signal for uh, more and more of these materials to be put into the market. In fact, there was an executive order put out by the Biden administration, Executive Order 14017, that clearly delineates six of these major uh, critical minerals to help support the supply chain gaps that exist, um, not just in the U.S., but really for the West, these OECD countries, things like cobalt, class one nickel, manganese, uh, um, copper, things like that. And so when it comes to pricing for these um, commodities, you see an interesting thing happening. We'll take gold, for instance. When people see gold, they're like, hey, even though there's inflation and you, you want to get as much gold as possible to hedge against inflation, what you see gold do when you look at it in a short-term lens is you see gold do like this. But in actuality, if you look at gold the way you're supposed to look at gold, uh, which is long-term, um, 5, 10, 15 years, gold does do like this, like a sine wave, but it goes up the whole time. And that happens with silver. That is happening now with cobalt, uh, uranium. You're seeing spikes in a lot of these commodities. Um, and I think from an investment standpoint, these are safe and smart to, to go after. But I think the investment discussion and the demand signal discussion, that, that nexus hasn't been fully, fully, uh, um, the nexus hasn't happened. It hasn't, the, the driving to the nexus hasn't happened. And also, the narratives that support this kind of nexus of good things that happen when you put the commodity to the demand signal, the, the narrative hasn't been the greatest. For entrepreneurs and thought leaders and other officials watching this broadcast, mm -hmm. what is it that you'd like for them to take away from your message? Yeah, a, a couple of things. One is um, specific to Africa. Africa is open for business. It is. I am a guy who has uh, been in Africa um, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a military officer, and I've just seen the continent grow in leaps and bounds in my 20 plus years of, uh, almost 20 years of operating on the continent. So one is Africa's open for business. Two is the global energy transition is real. And uh, renewables will not support uh, the demand signal, uh, the baseload demand signal to create industries across the, the, the world, particularly in the continent of Africa. Um, and the, the, the narratives need to be that since global energy transition is real, we need to have a broad look, uh, what they call a look at the energy basket mix, and include everything in it. Not just renewables, but yes, oil and gas, and also strategic metals, critical minerals, and, and rare earth elements, because they're, they're, they're essential to the growth of industry across the world to help us get to a full energy basket mix use uh, to support energy transition. Is there a website? Uh, yes, for African metals there is. Uh, go to AfricanMetalsGroup.com uh, and there you'll find out about what we do is uh, uh, mining uh, and, and mineral um, uh, finance and investment guys in, in support of this global energy transition. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. 